Hi, church. Good morning. Yes, it is a good morning. And it is phenomenal weather outside. Um, man, I, I'm, I'm, I just busted out my guayabera this morning. Um, I, I, I looked in my closet, and uh, not only was I thankful for the weather, but I was thankful that I could just wear a short, uh, short sleeve shirt. So um, I'm glad I'm here with you guys. I'm glad we're together, and I am glad we're able to open the Word of God together. Um, so this morning, we're going to be uh, looking at 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. So as you're looking for that in the meantime... Have you ever stopped to, um, to really consider and pay attention how we as people often speak about love? I, I looked up in Wikipedia um, a description of love. You know, how is love defined? And um, I'll go ahead and just read it out to you, okay? It says, love is any of a number of emotions related to a sense of strong affection and attachment. The word love can refer to a variety of different feelings, states, and attitudes, ranging from generic pleasure to intense interpersonal attraction. The diversity of uses and meanings combined with the complexity of the feelings involved makes love unusually difficult to consistently define, even compared to other emotional states. Uh, maybe that sounded a little bit convoluted to you. Um, but there's a lot of emotional talk, isn't there? Uh, in, in our culture, we, when we speak of, of love, we, we like to use words that are charged with emotions. But I think this morning we're going to be running into something that's much deeper that affects not only our emotions, but affects our mind. It affects how we process things. It affects how we view life and we view one another. What we'll find in the Bible today is something quite different, as a matter of fact, uh, much deeper, an, much, uh, an emotion much deeper, uh, a sentiment that goes beyond sometimes what we could even feel. We're going to be speaking of the person of Jesus. So, what we're going to do this morning, if you have your Bibles already turned to 1 John chapter 3, I'm going to ask that we stand, and I'm going to ask that we read the portion of Scripture together, and we're going to do it in unison. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, whether it be your phone or your tablet or a physical Bible, uh, the Word is going to be projected up on the screen so you can join us as well. Let's read together. Verse 11, chapter 3. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. That you should love one another. You should not be like Cain, who was a feeble one, for murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Everyone who hates a brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer is eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, 
and he laid down his life for us. Amen. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, it closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Amen. Father, would you let your word sink deep within us? Spirit, have your way. Mold our minds, our hearts. Grant us clarity into it that we might shape by it. Speak, Lord Jesus, speak and continue to transform us. Amen. You may have a seat. This morning, if you're going to be taking notes, I've tried to trim down the theme or the big idea as much as I could of this portion of Scripture. And if you're taking notes, I've brought it down to 10 words. Now, some of you who know me know that I can be long-winded. <laughs> so I've tried my hardest. But if you're taking notes, we're going to be noticing here how to be born of God is to love one another. To be born of God through the person of Jesus Christ has an effect on how we love our brothers and our sisters. Those that God has placed next to us. Uh, if you recall last Sunday, Pastor Bill uh, began to, to open up the word in chapter 3. We began seeing three truths about where we as Christians, by the grace of God, we stand. Number one, and I'm going to go ahead and do it backwards. As Christians, we are, we are made new. We are made new. And it's not because of, of works we've done. It's not because we've elevated ourselves to a, a, a proper position to obtain the approval and the adoption of God. It's been solely God-initiated, specifically Father-initiated. We have a new Father's love, a Father who's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son, of light, because He Himself is light. We've been given a new birth, a new identity, and He declares of us, his children. Not only did we look at what we are from verses 1 through 2, but also what we will be. That this new father that, that we have in him will finish the work. That, that what he's begun, he's going to carry it through. You see, salvation is his plan. And he will bring it to completion. He'll wipe away every stain. He will wipe away every sin. No pain and suffering will be something that we can enjoy with Him forever. And He's begun to do that now in us. Filled with the eternity of the Holy Spirit. But not only are, are we uh, declared Christians, given a new identity, and 
and, and, and have an identity that will be uh, completed in Christ. But this new identity leads us to do something. Now, it's something that it leads us to do not, not, not out of our own strength, but out of the working of his salvation of the gospel in us. See, in light of our new identity, we need not practice sin and disorder. But now we get to practice righteousness and love for one another. This, this change of heart ha- has brought a complete change within our hardwiring. And now we're able to live out a new life. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, before we kick off into verse 11, let's go back one, one verse to verse 10. John says, by this, it is evident. In other words, there's a visual demonstration of, of, of God's work in you through Christ, this new identity. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, we spoke about righteousness, the practicing of righteousness last week. And this week, as we go into verse 11, John is going to be showing us how this new identity gives birth. It helps us practice this love for one another. As a matter of fact, grammatically, both are intercalated. They both go hand in hand so that we can't practice righteousness without loving one another. And we can't love one another without really practicing righteousness. So to be born of God is to love one another. And why? And here is where verse 11 kicks in. Because love is at the heart of the gospel. Love is at the heart of the gospel. For this is the message, John tells the church, that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. These words, love one another, weren't new to the believers. They weren't foreign. Um, there was something that actually had rung deep within their heart. It had rung deep within who they now were as a church. Uh, you, you see, many of these followers of Jesus had, had heard these words, perhaps from Jesus' mouth, prior to him ascending. We know for sure that many of them have heard it from John and even from some of the apostles. But we know that throughout the teaching, this concept of loving one another, it's not, it's not foreign. Jesus taught this. As he is gathering together with his, with his disciples, uh, they're having the last supper hours before he passes away. You know, the scriptures tell us in John 13 that, that there was a culminating point of his love, that he, he knew where he was going. And so therefore, because he knew how much the Father loved him, he was able to um, dispense and, and show the disciples the full extent of his love. And so what does he do? He tells them where he's going, 
He tells them where he's preparing a place for them. And he not only tells them of his care and of his love for them, but then he shows it as he what? As he washes their feet. And he tells them these words. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Later on, in, in, in John 15, as, as he's recalling to them, you know, the, the only way that you grow in my love is by abiding in me. And, and as you abide in me, you'll, you'll be able to, to live out righteously. You'll, 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 you'll be mature. You'll bear fruit. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 17, this is what I command you. Love one another. Jesus is saying, in the same way that you've experienced my love, love one another. In the same way that I've, I've served you, in the same way that I've, that, 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 that I've grown your faith, in the same way that we've walked together, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of, 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 of your denial, in, in, in the midst of your sin, remember how much I've loved you. Now love one another. Paul picks up Jesus' same theme. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, he says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And how do we do that? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. He, he writes this out for us in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know, I love how the uh, HCSB translation puts it. It says, show family affection to one another. Show family affection. Your family now, show that affection. Peter 2 chimes in in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls, he says, by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another. And do it earnestly out of a pure heart. In, in the same letter to the church in 1 Peter 4.8, he says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So loving one another is not something that's foreign. And, and, and John, as he, as he now segues into, into explaining what loving one another means, which is part of the gospel message, he's going to take us deeper and deeper into the person of Christ. And we'll see that in chapter 3 and chapter 4, so we won't get there um, outside of these verses. John recalls this message of loving one another to the believers, not out of moralism, but again, it's out of the gospel. In other words, look at how God has lavished his grace, his goodness, how his mercy has overtaken you, and on how in Jesus you, you've been made new. I mean, that's how he began chapter 3. 
He's chosen you. You've been given a new identity as you were adopted. And you were promised to keep, he's promised to keep that saving work to the end. You know, if, if, if we really pause to think about the magnitude of God's work in our salvation, how would that affect how we practically treat one another? I mean, think about it, right? You know, if, if, if God has truly, and we experience it day in and day out, overwhelm us with his love, I mean, what are some of the attributes of God's love that you see in your life? We see how he's patient with us, don't we? We see how his mercies are brand new every single morning. We see how they're, hey, they're new every single hour. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we see a, a love that, that is not dependent on, on how well we perform, but on the full performance of Christ. We see a love that, that will not depart, but that is consistent and that is there next to us. It's not a distant kind of love, but it's a shepherding kind of love. So God is a very personal God. So how does that show with our one another? And that should lead us to reconcile our differences because he reconciled us to himself. That should lead us to be patient with one another because, oh Lord, every day he's patient with us. <laughs> that should lead us to show grace to someone, a, a brother or a sister who, who's forgetting that they're beloved. And we need to remind them of their beloved state. We need to speak truth. We need to speak gracefully. So to be born of God is to love one another because it is at the core of the message, this idea of loving, loving one another. But to be born of God is to love one another unlike the example of Cain. And here John is going to give us a negative example. He'll give us a positive one, but right now he's going to give us a negative one. And he says in verse 12, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. John here is alluding to, to what? To what we just read, Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, as, as Maria read, you know, we read the story of, of Cain and Abel, uh, the first sons of, of Adam and Eve, and on how when, when God called for the offering, Cain brought what seemed to be really just a whatever leftovers type offering, which we know was reflective of his heart, not only because his deeds were unrighteous and God didn't accept it, but because he, he was also experiencing hatred so much that it led to murder his brother. We know from his deeds that Cain had a spiritual father. 
And we know that that spiritual father was the devil because of his unrighteous deeds. His true spiritual father is spoken of in John chapter 8, verse 44, when Jesus taught of this connection. You know, those who are of the devil or children of the devil, I mean, think about our lives prior to the Lord saving us. What did we do? We did unrighteous things. We spoke unrighteously. We thought unrighteously. We behaved unrighteously. And here Jesus, as he's speaking to the religious folks who want nothing to do with them, in John chapter 8, he says, you, you who, who act very religious, but really want nothing to do with me, he says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. See, Cain was functioning under the father's nature. Cain was functioning under his father's nature. And that's why Cain is a prototype of the world. Here, here John says, do not be surprised. Don't, don't, don't be caught off guard, brothers, that the world hates you. You've experienced hate from people who don't know Christ? God is saying, it's a given. It's going to be normal. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love, he abides in death. So everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This world is going to hate those who follow Christ because it's their nature. That's what John is saying. It's their nature. And because our righteous deeds of living for God will reveal, much like Abel's did for Cain, their disobedience and wickedness for really what it is, sin. Now, these are some strong words. And we can actually... We can actually look at these words from verses 13 through 15 and say, yeah, you know what? It's us versus them. So let's gear up. <laughs> but what John is saying is no, 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 no. You don't understand. Don't miss the boat. Yes, that is true. There is a strong opposition. The God, the little G God of this world is Satan. And there is a... There is a system that he's put in place, which, yes, Christ is redeeming, but this system that he's placed in place, it is totally against the values and lifting Christ up for his glory. And so he says, beware. But let's not make a mistake. We can be like Cain too, can't we? We can be like Cain. Brothers and sisters, let's be careful that we don't grow in self-righteousness as we read these words. Let's confess. As a matter of fact, he says, be aware. 
with one another, we can harvest bitterness. We can be jealous of one another. We can have discord. We can be short with one another. We can lack mercy and gentleness. And even hatred to the point, to the point where in our hearts we're murdering our brothers and sisters. John is saying here, when you're tempted to return, church, to your primal urge, <laughs> he gives an encouraging word. Yes, he, he says, this is Cain. This is the example. This is who you were prior to Christ saving you. Beware. Don't follow that prototype. You are no longer Cain, church. You're no longer Cain. You may behave sometimes like Cain. You may have certain tendencies to fall prey to hatred towards your brothers and sisters and jealousy and discord, but you are no longer Cain. He, as a matter of fact, tells us and reminds us we've been changed. Verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. So here John is saying, listen, be careful. You got Cain as an example. And there's a world system that Satan's put together that is following that pattern of hatred, of me being first, of me bringing you down and making sure that doggy dog eat world. Beware. Be careful. This is who you were, but you are no longer. You've been declared a child of God. You've been transferred out of that kingdom. You've been transferred and brought in to a different grid, a gospel grid that now places you at, at, at not at the center, but places Christ at the center. And gives you a brand new identity and says, you have passed out of death into life. You have passed. The gospel has changed us. And so we're able to supernaturally love one another. It is only because of what Christ has done. So if hatred for a brother in Christ is the antithesis of love, then what does a true Christian love look like, right? I mean, that's, that's where we're at. You know, if, if, if we've been transferred, then how are we supposed to love one another? And John keeps writing, and he tells us that to be born of God is to love one another as Jesus loved us. I don't like Cain, but it's Jesus. Verse 16. By this we know love. This word know is nosco. It's, it's, it's the word again that's used as we have understanding because we've experienced it. And he says to the church, by this we know love. 
you've experienced this knowledge of love. And I want you to see something here. Because he doesn't talk love about love as an emotion. He speaks of love as who? As Jesus Christ. By this we know love, that he laid down his love for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we saw John at the beginning of chapter 3 here in the letter, excited, jubilant, right? I mean, if we could hear him read out loud this letter of 1 John to the church, Bill, I think you mentioned this last Sunday, those there was a tone of, of excitement because of God's declaration over his children. We can't, we can't hear the tone here, but we can read the grammatical fact. And we can see the leading that John is speaking of love that we know and this knowledge of love is found in Jesus. Jesus is our love. God displayed his love for us through Jesus. And we saw it culminated at the cross. I love uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 where it says, And you, who's you? It, 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 Paul's writing to the church. It's us. It's the church at Ephesus. It's us, Edgewater. We were dead in the trespasses and sins. We were like Cain. And when you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, that's who we were, but God. Don't you love the buts? <laughs> the buts of Scripture just bring so much gospel truth. It, it, it doesn't cut the gospel in half. <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we nailed Christ Jesus to the cross, even though he went voluntarily for the joy that was set before him, even we, when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. By grace, we have been saved. Can you let that sink in? This is the gospel. And this morning, if you're hearing this for the first time, this is a gospel invitation to you. How God loves to intervene in our dark state. How his great love is what drives the person of Jesus to come dwell among us. And for 33 years, as he ministered and he lived among us, his ministry culminated to the cross. And at the cross, even though he was wrongfully convicted, 
wrongfully accused. The crowds, yes, they, 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 they brought him into Jerusalem. They said, blessed is he who comes into the name, in, 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 in the name of the Lord. And then just hours, days later, they're saying, crucify him. Listen, they were fleshing out. They were bearing fruit of their, of, of, of their father, of the devil. That's us. We were dead in our trespasses. And maybe that's you here this morning where you feel like you're dead in your sin. Jesus makes us alive. Jesus makes us alive. And this is by grace. It's not something that we got to muster up. It's not faith that we got to really close our eyes and say, okay, Lord, if I could just generate enough faith. <clears throat> no, no, it's by grace. It is initiated. It is brought into our hearts a trust and a faith for Jesus as we were hearing earlier. It's brought in by him. It's grown by him. And it establishes us. It establishes us in Him. Friend, if you haven't experienced this great love of Jesus before, one that meets you right where you're at in your darkness, let me just encourage you to do one thing. Will you trust Him? Will you trust Him to reveal Himself to you? It's going to cause you to to turn from what you really thought was bringing you what you needed. And it's going to cause you to, to grow and expand in this love that he has for you. Daniel Aiken in his commentary of 1 John says, the Bible says that if you want to see love, look at the cross. The Bible says that if you want to show love, Look at the cross. The Bible says that if you want to know love, look at the cross. The Bible says that if you want to live love, look at the cross. Just look at the cross. According to John, the cross of Jesus, the gospel, is the only propelling power to cause you and I to not only love him more than ourselves, but then also love one another. And he does this, or it does this, by showing us how to lay down our lives and give them up for his cause. Let's keep reading and then we'll finish off. It says here in verse 16 that it was Jesus who laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And then he gives them an example. Apparently there was some need, some financial need or, or just the church. Uh, there were some resources that were needed and, and look at what happens here. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, it closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? 
Little children, let us love in word. Yes, love in word. Not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In other words, walk the talk. In other words, as you see the need around you, meet it. God has met your need, and he's done it in the person of Jesus. Let him use you to meet the need. We are his church. We are his bride. We are his body. We are his hands. We're his feet. We're his eyes. Within us, the church, not only does his presence dwell through the Holy Spirit, but we have, we're carriers of the gospel. And brothers and sisters, we don't believe in just a theoretical gospel, a gospel that makes sense. No, we believe in a gospel that meets people where they're at, don't we? We believe in a gospel that, that, that reaches out and touches someone. We, we believe in a gospel that, that puts an arm over a shoulder and bears the burden of our brothers and sisters. We believe in a gospel, don't we? And we've seen it fleshed out in the way God has used us to meet the needs, even in Ireland. You know, we, we have this gospel and we have this new identity in Jesus because Jesus is saying, as you focus on me, listen, this is what you're going to bear, love for one another. Let me use you. Let me use you. So perhaps we can finish with these two questions. One, are you seeing yourself the way God sees you? That you're complete? in the cross of Christ, that again you've been made new, that you've been given a new hard wiring? Are you seeing yourself the way your father, your new father sees you? Because if you do, then the next question is gonna be, how can you love one another for his glory? He's going to use you to love one another for his glory. So let me encourage you in this. As you wash dishes at home, I mean, that's, that's a thought that came to my mind this morning. Like, how can I love my bride and my family by doing this? I mean, it can be as tangible as this. It can also be as tangible as, as, as calling someone who ends up in the hospital or, or visiting them. It, 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 it could be, you know, seeing one of your brothers or sisters here at church as, as you see them walking out and they, they just seem really burdened. You going up to them and say, Hey, you okay? Can I, can I just pray for you? You know, it, it, it may mean getting involved in a, in a ministry where you're saying, you know what, I'm going to step out in complete weakness and I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to ask the Lord to use me. And I know many of you are being used that way. And maybe your way of loving one another is to encourage others to do that. Walk in faith. Walk in faith. 
How does God want to use you through the new identity that you have in Christ? The sealed future. The stability you have in Him to pour into others. Church, you have been born of God. You have been born of God. Therefore, love one another. For you have passed from death into life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for laying down your life. Thank you for laying down your life. Thank you for laying down your life that we might live. Thank you for showing us what that looks like. Thank you for revealing that to our hearts and our understanding. Lord, as we think about our week, as we think about our families, our homes, our places of employment, where we go to school, Lord, teach us how to lay down our life so that you, Lord, might be all the more sweeter. Teach us how to do that and love one another.